Hello, it's Paul Scott here on the 24th of June 2023 with part one of my company-focused small caps podcast. So who am I? I'm the uh, lead writer of the Small Cap Valley Reports on Stockopedia.com. So thank you to all the subscribers who are supporting our work there. Much appreciated, especially in tough markets. Been writing those reports for 11 years uh, with Graham Neary, usually, and sometimes Roland Head. We together review the day's trading updates and um, results statements, plus takeover bids and things like that focus purely on small to mid caps. We run from 10 million market cap up to 1 billion. So we're actually covering 40% of the uh, mid cap space as well as small caps. And so far in the last year, we've covered 531 unique companies. So we're actually covering a big section of the market. So I think that's pretty good. Um, Okay, I've got absolutely masses of material this week to go through in both part one and part two. So I'll just crack on. So Monday 19th of June 2023, we covered six companies here. Uh, I looked at Beaks Financial Services, where I should declare a personal long-term holding in this one. BKS, very, very interesting company that uh, does cloud-based connectivity to... um, stock markets and other financial exchanges all over the world and then it charges clients um, a monthly subscription typically to access all that live low latency uh, low latency data and to put their own trading algorithms onto beaks computers which are right neck which are in the exchange next to the exchange servers it's very complicated but really interesting niche um, very impressive growth on this one, and it's already just about profitable. Um, cash flow profile is probably the worst aspect of it, because it has to spend CapEx up front um, for each contract. But it's only diluted a little bit with the several fundraises. Owner-managed business, I think everyone agrees Gordon MacArthur's uh, a top-notch founder, CEO. Anyway, it's 78 million market cap, Beaks is. Um, they've won a contract another for their flagship product, which is they call Exchange Cloud Con- uh, Exclaim, exchange Cloud, rather. And this is the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. They've already won one major contract in the US. So I think this is the type of company that as these are long gestation contracts where everything has to be you know, rigorously tested by the customer. And I think each one acts as another reference site. So I think over the long term, we sh- we could or should hopefully get a real snowball effect here. The shares have, dr- have, have drifted right off along with so many small caps uh, in the last year or 18 months. Bit of a lack of news as well. But uh, I think this one looks very interesting. So I had been top slicing partly through boredom but also to raise money for other interesting things but I've I've maintained a core holding in Beaks and I think I'm going to start actually topping that up again when funds permit. Now what did I look at next? Oh yes, Concurrent Technologies, CNC, that was down 1% to 70p. Now this one, I'm a bit scathing about this because they've, there's another delay to the publication of their audited accounts. The finance department there just seems sloppy. You know, these are these are... Um, and, uh, and the the auditors required a change in policy on capitalising development spend and so on. Not a disaster, but it you know it, you you should have got your 2022 accounts out a long time ago. So this is this says to me there's poor financial control at concurrent technologies, which doesn't make it. It's not a deal breaker, but it's a significant negative on the company. I think maybe it needs. Um, some fresh people in to take over the running of the finance because 52 million pound market cap for god's sake you know 
it's really not rocket science managing the finances of a, of a company that size, is it? You know, your accounts should be out in February or March, not not struggling to get them out by the end of June. Anyway, there's a 0.6 million hit to profit for 2022 because of this change in policy. But actually, I've given it the benefit of the doubt. I'm amber on concurrent because of the upbeat outlook comments. Now, this is an interesting one. Graham looked at BP Marsh. Um... I'm glad he looked at that, actually, because I did spot that the shares were hitting a new all-time high, which, you know, companies that are achieving that in a bit in a nasty bear market for small caps are worth a look, aren't they? But something really good must be happening there. Anyway, uh, um, Graham's going to do um, a chat about this stock on uh, the Mellow Monday webinar this Monday coming, which will be, what, that's the 26th of June. So tune in to Mellow on Monday online. Um, they're very, very good. This is David Stredder's um, online investor shows. They're fantastic, actually. And also, our Megan is on there again. She did a brilliant webinar recently. She's doing um, another presentation about Stockopedia screening for potential multi-baggers. I've, I've looked at some of her written articles on that, and they're very good. So I'm going to tune in and listen to that. Thank you to Megan for that one. And... Um, so, yeah, a BP Marsh potentially interesting, Graham thinks. And then I looked at Creo Medical, C-R-E-O. Now, this company... Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention what BP Marsh does. It's an owner-managed business. The founder owns about 40%. It buys up um, insurance intermediaries. Uh, I don't know quite anything about how that would work. But it's just sold a major asset for £51 million. Or I think that might be pending which is uh, just over a third of the market cap. So that's interesting, isn't it? So it's going to do some buybacks and divvies. Anyway, Graham will tell you more about BP Marsh, either in Monday the 19th of June's Small Cap Valley Report on Stockopedia or on Mellow Monday this coming Monday. Now, Creo Medical, C-R-E-O, I picked this idea up, actually, from Paul Jordan of Amati, who I've got a lot of time for. I think he's a very nice guy, very sensible, intelligent guy. He, fund manager, he says... um, This company's product, uh, these innovative medical devices for keyhole surgery, are an absolute game-changer for bowel surgery, apparently. Now, I I slated this company because it... uh, it just, you know, it almost went bust running out of cash. But it refinanced in March 2023 with a 34 million fundraise at the worst possible time to be raising money. So that tells you the institutions think it's uh, a goer, you know, a runner, this this, this product. Um, but obviously it diluted a lot more and I think it was only at 20p. Well, anyway, I bought some personally. It's not the sort of thing I normally cover, but I... I'm starting to get more interested in medical and medical device type shares, um, particularly where they've they've proven the concept and they're starting to do a commercial rollout. That's really the space I'm looking at. So I bought some Creo Medical. I've also bought a small position in um, what's that other one we've been talking a lot about? Polarian Imaging. Yeah, I bought them at 25p. Speculative money I can afford to lose. I don't want to lose the money, obviously. But I think with uh, I looked at Polarian. The key question of these is how much cash is left. Polarian, I think, has got enough cash to uh, about. It's got about one year's cash left, but they had to say that to get the uh, to get the uh, what you call it the going concern statement through. But I think a year gives Polarian time to put out some more positive RNSs, including one it's just done. It's already got FDA approval. Uh, and the shares dropped by about eighty or eighty uh, percent in the in the in the aftermath of getting FDA approval, which is very odd. 
Um, but it obviously got overbought on the expectation of it. What's that thing they say about buy the rumour, sell the news? So that was certainly the case with, with Polarian Imaging. But it's announced a tie-up with Philips, a big maker of MRI machines, I believe. So I think there's, there's speculative um, interest possibly might come back in Polarian. And same with Creo. Now it's, now it's fully funded to break even, it reckons. Very speculative, not for widows and orphans, I do emphasise. But I think it's interesting, so I bought a few of both. Now, Music Magpie, oh dear, I remain red on this. I think it's hopeless. It rose 4% on the day to 18.5 pence. This company used to sell, or still does, I think, books, DVDs, CDs and so so on, online mainly, I think, um, second-hand ones. But, of course, that's withering away. Um, and so they've diversified into second-hand IT, so second-hand refurbished phones, iPads, that sort of thing. And they've come up with this idea of renting them out, which I think is a terrible idea because, you know, who's going to want to rent a phone? Only someone probably who can't get one, uh, can't get credit approval on a, on a, on a phone from EE or, or things like that. Uh, it's a, just a hopeless business model, I think, Music Bank Pie, MMAG. I think it goes to zero, unless they can pull something out of the hat and dramatically improve performance. And what makes it even more annoying is it put out a trading update on Monday saying they're trading in line, Q2 is better than Q1, nice EBITDA expected for the for the full year. But if you look at the accounts, EBITDA turns into a loss because there are very large depreciation and amortization of development spending. They're capitalizing anything that moves on their payroll, uh, pretending they're not real costs. So the EBITDA number is totally meaningless at Music Magpie. It's actually losing money whilst racking up bank debt to buy all these old phones. So terrible, terrible business model. But that could change. We always keep an open mind at the Small Cap Value Reports, uh, like it did with Creo. We were completely slating that when it looked like it was going to run out of money but now it's refinance different kettle of fish so when the facts change we change our views right some excellent reader comments on monday thank you very much harry hindsight made a brilliant point saying that um you know uh, this is a more a macro point saying that because the older generation now are earning interest on their savings again they're not just going to be spending it all on cruises he says there's also intergenerational support for um for for kids and grandchildren um, and I think that's a really, really good point. I, I expect, like yourselves, I know lots of people, and indeed my own family, where the older generations are significantly helping younger generations with, um, you know, um, with with living costs as well as deposits on houses and all that sort of thing. So I thought that was a great point, and that may well cushion some of the co- that may well be cushioning some of the cost of living stuff. You've also got to look at the extent to which the older generation look after kids as well. There's lots of grandparents parents um out there who are you know who are who are uh, vital carers for 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 the grandchildren to free up parents to do other things so great point harry thank you for that now i am flimflam one <laughs> wrote a very nice briefing on ai in monday's report reader comments thank you for that that was very interesting we're trying to find out more about ai obviously a huge um topic at the moment there was also read a discussion of results from litigation capital management and Avacta, both companies we don't tend to cover in the main reports because they're a bit specialist. Um, now, star post of the week, or shall I? Should we have a jingle? Star post of the week. Um, this is from 
as voted for by the readers, I hasten to add, 113 thumbs up for Wolf of Small Street. I like his username. I assume it's a he. Um, yeah, now this is very interesting. Put up a load of charts with moving averages on them and commented on them. Nice, easy to understand commentary. He's flagging the divergence divergence of the US markets or the indices, which I think are very narrow leadership of big tech in US indices. Uh, how they're pulling ahead of the UK and how UK small caps are very much the laggard. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock, tell me about it. <laughs> but no, that was great and the readers loved it. So I hope Wolf of Small Street will um, do that as a regular feature. Now, finally, I listened to a really good webinar on Monday from Yellowstone Advisory. We don't mind advi- Well, I don't mind advisory companies posting links, but I think they should always state that they've been paid to produce um, that material so they're by the companies so therefore their opinions on it and their target prices are not um independent uh, opinions they're uh, paid for pr opinions so as long as that's clearly stated personally i don't have a problem with it and i think webinars videos of of management or audio of talking to management are really useful and obviously somebody's got to pay for it, haven't they? So I don't mind. You, you assume it'll be a soft interview, don't you, if, if, if the company's paying for it? But actually, you know, we get so much colour from these webinars. I think they're great. And the castings webinar was super bullish. I've, I've jotted down some notes on it, but we haven't got time to go through them now. But very, very interesting with castings. And they addressed the point about... Um, you know, uh, uh, electrification or hydrogenation of uh, heavy trucks being... What they're saying is actually that's an opportunity as much as a threat. And basically they're operating at full capacity and the money's rolling in. So castings looks great. That's CGS. Gosh, I'm really going to have to speed up here. Tuesday, 20th of June, 2023, Small Cap Value Report. Right, we covered loads of companies, four, six, eight, nine companies. Graham looked at IG Design. This is the uh, uh, gift products company, low-margin maker of celebration gifting and stationery products, Graham's called it. So it's things like Christmas wrapping paper, huge product range, big revenue business, but um, the margins have, were always low and have now vanished, and they're trying to turn it around and get them. So the investment case, we've mentioned this before, it's they just need to get the margins back up to 4 or 5%, and then the shares will be worth, um, on a billion-dollar revenue, the shares will be worth uh, several times what they are now, probably. So really simple. I think, personally, Graham's green on it, but I think, personally, it's going to be harder than they think to get those margins back up because it's just commodity product. I don't accept that they've got any particular pricing power. So I think, I don't know, we'll see. I listened to the webinar from management. It was okay. I can't get excited about it, but we'll look, we'll see what happens. And they, uh, the main risk, which I think I covered last week or the week before, was over the bank facilities. That's been resolved. So IG Design, yeah, maybe have a look at it. I'm, Graham's green, I'm probably amber. Uh, I, can see, I can see the investing case in it anyway. It's just whether the execution matches what people hope for. We don't know. Now, poor old Somero Enterprises. We love this share, SOM. Loads of the readers hold it as well, but unfortunately it did put out a profit warning down 14% to 283 pence. Um, various factors. I've just said here it's not a disaster by any means. Um, and I bounce ideas around in Tuesday's report uh, concerning that. Is it a temporary blip or start of a deeper downturn? We don't know. That's for you to decide. But anyway, Tuesday's report, I go into more detail on Somero. 
I still like it, but because current trading isn't so good, I've shifted from green to amber stroke green. Okay, next one. Graham looked at S3, uh, ticker STEM. This is one of our, fa- our favourite high-quality staffing companies. Uh, now, remember, we had a profit warning from Robert Walters last week, but actually, if you look at the shares of Robert Walters, they've recouped most of the dip, which I think is very interesting. When shares, you know, drop down on a profit warning but then almost immediately recover you're probably near a low on that share unless, you know, things get much worse. So I think Robert Walters, RWA, very interesting. Um, these two I see as a pair, S3, uh, ticker S-T-E-M, S- uh, different in some ways, but a high quality relative to the sector type of staffing business, I think. Now, Graham covered that. He likes it. Uh, it says H1 Performance was resilient. So flattish revenues, um, Graham says he thinks it it remains attractive. I agree. So we like S3. Although, you know, obviously if we're going to recession, things like staffing companies are going to see a downturn, aren't they? They're bound to. Okay, Lord's Trading I looked at. I really like this, actually. AGM statement. It keeps dropping, but it's trading in line. It's an acquisitive vehicle for buying up independent builders, merchants. Owner managed. The only problem is the owners have got two too large a dominating shareholding so the shareholding structure is my main gripe on lords trading um but i think it looks cheap and it is trading in line with expectations at the moment but again sector worries going into recession if we're going to have a recession we don't know that we definitely are of course uh finally i looked at saga this was a mixed bag so i'm amber on saga i've kind of lost interest in it really because the turnaround after covid is painfully slow broker forecasts you know, have just been revised down and down and down and down. So the original bull case from two years ago hasn't panned out. Um, You know, and obviously if the facts change, we change our view. But the AGM trading update was annoying because... They they glossed over the fact that this was actually really a profit warning. They they tried to use clever wording to conceal that, and then the next day, you know, the forecasts come through and they've dropped a bit. We can't get a hold of them because they're from Numis, who are dreadful for as far as far as private investors are concerned, because they don't let us get see their research or even go and meet companies at their office. I had to practically, you know, well, I only only managed to go to a meeting there once, and I had to I had to get a fund manager to send me as his representative representative which is bloody ridiculous so um yeah i'm not a fan of numis no small cap company should be using numis because the main market for the shares is private investors and they're not interested in having any contact whatsoever with private investors so same with peel hunt get rid of them get in a, a private investor if you're a small cap you need to have a private investor friendly broker someone like uh, singers Librum, fincap um WH Ireland, you know, there's there's quite a few who put the Shaw Research now putting uh, the 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 research notes on on Research Tree. You know, these um, I understand why some of the institutions don't give us the research is because the institutions are paying big money for it. Especially Peel Hunt Research is a large part of their revenue. So yeah, I get it with them. That's fine, but. Small cap companies shouldn't be using those brokers because they're useless, they're, apart from, well, for, for placings with institutions and so on. And, and Peel Hunt, to be fair, are doing this Rex platform, aren't they? Anyway, look, I'm rambling. Now, very interesting update came out Monday afternoon. Unscheduled trading update, positive from Next. 
NXT. This is really, really interesting because it came out at 12.53 on Monday, just after my cut-off for the uh, Small Cap Valley reports, although 8.7 billion, it's not a small cap, I know, but it's topical and it's interesting. Now, next said, the last seven weeks trading has been, quote, materially better, unquote, than guidance. And full price sales over those seven weeks, so that's covering um, May, calendar May, May and June to date, they're saying... Full price sales are up 9.3% versus last year. Uh, Guidance was minus 5%. So that's a massive outperformance. So what's caused that? Why have people suddenly started buying Next Clothing? Uh, Well, it points out two factors. It says the warmer weather in May and June helped because we had a wet and cold April. Now, that is correct. Um, when, When I can testify from my personal experience of the sector... When you have a, a, a wet and windy um, March and April and it suddenly gets nice and sunny in May and June, your sales uplift by a, a hell of a lot. I mean, we found it could be as much as 30% week on week um, is weather dependent at this time of year. But the more interesting point, next said that pay awards for households in April were very substantial because a lot of annual salary rises went through, which, of course, in the current environment are sort of between 5 and 10%. Big amounts of money. We know that's being sucked up by higher inflation, but the point next to making is that at that point in time, when you get your April pay, pay slip, you suddenly see a big uplift in it, and also the 10% rises for benefit claimants and pension recipients also went through in eight, at the end of April. So... This has caused a big surge. Basically, it looks like in May, a lot of people went out and had a bit of a spending spree um, and bought themselves some nice new clothes. So, uh, next, anyway. Now, it's one of the reasons it says you can't necessarily have read across from that to all the other retailers because next is just a class act. So, some of it might be next just getting their product ranges right, which they always seem to. Um yeah, so, but next also say that this sudden step up in sales because of uh, higher, uh, because of pay rises in April is likely to decline gradually as a factor as ongoing inflation erodes um, people's spending power. So very, very interesting point for Read Across. Let's see which other retailers and hospitality companies start to say they're performing well also, because of course we had Fuller Smith, Smith and Turner, one of the pub groups recently say, like for likes up 13%. So uh, I think we'll get some positive surprises from the better players in retail and hospitality, but whether we should get excited about that, probably not, because it's a bit of a one-off um, due to these uh, big pay rises in April. Very interesting, though. And actually, in fairness, I have been on about this point for several months in these podcasts, saying that uh, precisely this point. So it wasn't really a surprise to me, but it's nice to have it confirmed. Ah, Lookers. This was uh, Lookers, the car dealership. Um, up 34% to pound eighteen on a bid uh, at pound twenty. Ah, yes, this was Sky News... Uh, and then the company re- uh, confirmed it. That was it. So a Canadian car dealer is looking to buy Lookers. Now, a very interesting point. Now, I've been saying for ages that the whole sector's cheap and it's all in play with consolidation. So it's nice to see. We've seen a couple already. So it's nice to see uh, another one happen. This was in my uh, runners-up list of top shares for 2023, I'm pleased to say. So that's pulled the runners-up list um, is now up 6% year-to-date, all small caps, obviously, 
uh, against small cap indices. The AIM hundred AIM all share is the one I normally benchmark myself against, which I believe is down seven percent. Now my main list of top twenty watch list for twenty twenty three is up even more. That's uh, no, it's not. No, no, it's dropped back a bit. It's up seven percent. Sorry, and the runners up list is up six percent. So I think that's very good. Very good outperformance so far year to date. And we've had two takeover bids on those lists. Now, Lookers is one of them. Very interesting side point on Lookers. Um, I noticed that one of the institutions that had given uh, an supposedly irrevocable undertaking to support the bid has actually been selling large blocks of it in the market. So they've issued an update on that, which makes you think the institution possibly imagines that the deal may not complete. So I think with Lookers, that's a really important point for us to take note of and personally I would sell my shares in the market if a big institution is doing that that says to me there's deal risk so I would suggest anyone holding lookers ought to seriously think about maybe following suit rather than holding out for the last penny or two if there's deal risk of it falling through risk rewards pretty uh, pretty poor to hold to the end isn't it so I'd bank the profits if it was me Oh, I should also say I bought some Virtue Motors and some Pendragon because I think those are, are, are both uh, possible bid targets as well. So I don't want to uh, lose out in case there are further bids in the sector. They're not big positions, but I just thought I'd, I'd pop a little bit of money in those just so I can actually uh, make some money on um, on a sector that's still very cheap. Very interesting battle for control of Revolution Beauty. Boohoo's trying to sort of take it over by the back door, requisitioned uh, an EGM to kick out the directors and put its own people in. So I think, obviously, Revolution Beauty is fighting back against that. So it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Now, reader comments on Tuesday were dominated by a bid for Best of the Best, BOTB, that uh, was announced mid-afternoon, along with its delayed results. Uh, Now, (laughs) this was my biggest personal shareholding. So that's the second time now I've had a takeover bid this year for um, my largest position in my portfolio. Seraphine in January was an absolute bonanza for me. That um, uh, put a huge, gave my portfolio a huge boost in percentage terms. Uh, and uh, the same thing's happened again with a bid for my largest position, BOTB. Unfortunately, it's a low-ball bid from Teddy Saggy, who seems to have somehow convinced uh, long-serving founder management to bail out and uh, at a really disappointing price, only £5.35 a share. Although, for me personally, that's a profit of about 25% from... I bought quite well on this one back in January, just after a, a really positive trading update. I nipped in and bought them um, in tranches over a few days and uh, desperately disappointing. I'll come on to that though because I wrote my spiel about it after I'd had a think about it overnight. Oh, also, uh, Cockney Rebel flagged up to me that I'd been nominated for Journalist of the Year again at the Small Caps Awards ceremony. A nice black tie ado. I've been there a couple of times. They normally give it to Simon Thompson at the IC, but this year he wasn't even on the shortlist, which I'm very surprised at. So the Journalist of the Year shortlist was Smith Berry from Small Company Sharewatch, who's very good. Joanne Hart from Mail on, Mail on Sunday, Andrew Hoare, AIM Journal, Paul Scott, Stockopedia, and David Thornton, Growth Company Investor, who's also very, very good. 
I'm not. I haven't. I haven't really seen that much of the other people's work. Anyway, um, I didn't even know I was on the shortlist. So thanks to Richard for flagging that to me. I didn't win. A Smith Berry from Small Company Sharewatch won. Uh, a worthy winner. I think his stuff's very good. I've subscribed for many many years. Uh, so well done, Smith. And uh, <laughs> one of the readers said you was robbed, Paul. <laughs> Uh, funny though, I won't read the other comments because uh... oh, we've got comments on uh, Fraser's turning up with a five percent shareholding in Boohoo as well. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on with Fraser's, isn't it? They're buying up everything. Right on to Wednesday. This is where I wrote. This is the twenty first of June, twenty twenty three. Now this is where I I, I slept on it and wrote uh, my thoughts on BOTB takeover bid at. Um, £5.35. I think the key point really, obviously it's totally unsatisfactory, I think they've undersold the business horribly and really let down the small shareholders. But I think the, the crux of it is that management have basically already sold out. They, If you remember, they stuffed the institutions with shares at 24 quid a share, passing off um, the pandemic boom as if it were structural growth, which it wasn't. They're either very good liars or... Um, or they genuinely thought it was structural growth at the time. I remember being on a, a conference call where William High March was adamant that this was structural growth, not a pandemic boom. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe I'm too trusting, but I don't think they lied. I think that's how they saw it at the time. Uh, but they were horribly wrong. And unfortunately, Mark Slater got stuffed with a load of shares. So I think he'll be, uh, no doubt, absolutely livid that he bought at £24. And now he's basically being forced to sell at £5.35. I think, you know, you give them the benefit of the doubt if they could rebuild it. And the story was that Teddy Saki coming in um, at 29.9% would bring in all this expertise. He seemed to have now sort of bullied them and threatened them with saying, I, I want 100% control or nothing. So really incredibly disappointing. But as I say, management banked their money ages ago, 60 or 70 million quid. So the remaining 8 or 9 million for them, you know, probably isn't worth the hassle. So we've been sold down the river, I'm afraid, with BOTB. Very, very disappointing. But look, I made a 25% profit on it. So, you know, if things that go wrong deliver a, a profit of 25%. I can I can live with that. And now, here's an interesting angle. FinCap actually said, thank you to the reader who pointed this out, I didn't spot it at first. FinCap say, um, you know they have to give a view on, on a takeover bid, and it's nearly always rubber-stamped. In fact, I've never seen a takeover bid that hasn't been rubber-stamped by the broker. I'd be grateful if anyone can point, point out where this has happened before. But good on FinCap, because they basically said, actually, no, this is not a fair nor reasonable offer. Now, that raises a very interesting thing, doesn't it? If I was Mark Slater or one of the other institutional holders, I'd be on to my lawyers and I'd say, will you write a letter to the bidder and to the management of BOTB and say, particularly to management, you haven't fulfilled your fiduciary duties towards shareholders. Therefore, if this deal goes ahead, I'm going to take you to court. So that could be interesting, couldn't it? That could give potential. This is only a scenario I've made up, but... 
that might then force Teddy Saggy to raise the offer to a level where FinCap is prepared to um, endorse it. Now, he did that with Cape, didn't he? A lowball offer, which was then slightly improved, um, but basically strong-arm tactics. He had a much, much larger shareholding there at Cape, I seem to recall, and the small shareholders were just shafted. Um, so, um, but this is slightly different. His holding is less, and maybe... Maybe Heimarch and the other directors of BOTB can be scared into pulling pulling the rug out on this deal, and actually just running it independently and saying to, to take uh, Saggy. Well, if you don't want to cooperate, then you know we'll 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 run it independently. So the downside risk of the bid deal falling through actually could see the shares go up. Plus, you can buy them at five pound twenty in the market now. And get your five thirty per five p if the deal goes through, or get a free option on um, a higher deal being agreed. So I think BOTB is looking very interesting. However, so my plan initially was to just hold my position in it, but then I changed my mind and I thought, well, hang on, there's now a bid, uh, a big bidder in the market, which there isn't usually. If you want to sell BOTB, you have to do it in scraps of five hundred shares to a thousand shares. So, and I got a lot more than that. So I suddenly thought, well, actually, this is a liquidity event. So I put in a dummy sale order for 2,000 shares and it gave me a price. So I put in a dummy order for 10,000 shares and it gave me a price. So I thought, well, hang on, I've now got liquidity here. Yes, I'm going to have to give up 15p of the offer price, but there are lo- I don't think there's that much upside on the on the offer price. And I'm going to have to tie up money for a couple of months, probably, to get the extra 15p. Meanwhile, I'm missing out on loads of other opportunities. So I've actually decided to top slice um, in the market to raise money to open some new positions. So I've still got some BOTB, but I've sold a, a good chunk of what I held previously, purely for liquidity reasons, and I don't want to be holding for a couple of months where I might only get a few percentage extra uh, pence. And if a higher bid, a much higher bid comes through, I'll be kicking myself, but I don't know how likely that is. Right, Graham looked at Lion Trust Asset Management, quite an interesting company. Now, SRT, very, very interesting, this one. Is it a scam? No, it's not a scam, I don't think, but it's certainly jammed tomorrow on a massive scale. Uh, And actually, the readers did talk me into buying a few myself (laughs) at 60-odd P, just before they announced a placing at 50p. Oh, sod's law. So anyway, I dipped my toe in with a tiny little position in SRT. Just really f- FOMO, fear of missing out, I think. The uh, the sales pipeline is now 1.4 billion, but they've had to raise 4 million cash to, 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 to for working capital. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see with SRT. Um, if it's all real and it's true and it pans out as they say it is, it could be a seriously good thing. But I have to say the history on it's really awful. So we'll see, won't we, with SRT. There does seem to be something there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a little punt on it. Cerulean, love it. CER, one of my favourite shares. It's expensive. Announces a major new contract, but it's only two and a half million a year. So And it doesn't alter the forecast. So that reassures rather than uh, moves the... Changes the game. Thirty-four times forward earnings. I have to say, with Cerulean, I wouldn't normally pay that, but I would for this company. I think it's exceptional, an exceptional growth company. Uh, it does telecoms, billing software, and other modules in the cloud, and more and more um, big telecoms companies are shifting over to it. So it's in a great 
spot and of course each new contract is is very high margin so profits are just going through the roof love it graham looked at water intelligence w-a-t-r this is the uh franchise leak fixing business mainly in the u.s i hadn't realized those shares have come down so much they're down about two-thirds i mean i did i never understood why it was so highly rated in the first place i have to say final results came through um I think it's starting to look actually more sensibly valued now. So I would have a look at water intelligence. Um, THG, uh, I think, is an absolute crock. So I'm red on that. I don't know why people are prepared to pay over a billion for this. The figures are terrible. But there are some signs of life in this trading update, I have to say. Margins are now improving because whey, which is W-H-E-Y, is one of its key ingredients for its protein shakes that is uh, dropping sharply so margins are improving it's targeting hoping to reach free cash flow break even break even for a company valued at 1.1 billion i thought the tech boom was over seems it isn't anyway i think still massively massively overvalued despite there are some signs of life there botb we've covered i think is that everything i think that's everything so let's move on Right, speeding up the pace again, on, on Thursday 22nd of June, in the Small Cap Valley Report, we covered two, four, six, seven companies. Now, I, strangely enough, I, I looked at Whitbread just because of um, read across for other um, other companies. Basically, it says it's trading its socks off. This is, uh, sorry I got it wrong about its activities, Google let me down. So from, from, from now on, I'll go direct to company websites for their activities. Uh, basically, uh, Q, Q1 trading update, very positive. Uh, now, Premier Inns are trading particularly well, 840 hotels. Interestingly, they point out the lack of branded competition and that they're taking market share from independents. I think that's a very good point for read across into other sectors. You know, when in a consumer downturn, the biggest and the best pick up market share and the independents sadly go by the wayside. So um, it's priced at nearly P, nearly 20, which I think is just too expensive. But Whitbread trading very well. Ocado shot up 41% on rumours of a bid. I think it might have slipped back a bit the next day. What else have we got? Uh, XPS Pensions, Graham looked at that. And a new one, Fadel Partners. Uh, that was a recent listing Graham looked at. What else have we got? Scrolling down. Oh, the main ones. Oh, I looked at Eskin, E-S-K-N. This is um, the thing that owns Southend Airport and a renewables business. See uh, Thursday's report for my thoughts on that. It's quite a can of worms. I think this could be a good um, special situation or it could be a zero. Massive amounts of debt. They're trying to sell, basically sell everything and turn it into a cash shell and distribute anything that's left to shareholders. But I, we can't work out how much, if anything, it's going to end up with. So for that reason, I think, unless you've done deep research on it, it's uninvestable. I've got a market very high risk. It might work out, though. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I personally, you know, if I was looking to buy Southend Airport, I'd just wait for Eskin to go bust and buy it off the administrator. And that's that's your risk, isn't it? But anyway... Be be really careful with Eskin. It's very high risk, only for experts on special situations only, I would suggest. Got some very shrewd shareholders, though. Harwood uh, are in there. Christopher Mills' outfit, Strategic Value Partners is a hedge fund. And Tosca Fund have got 28%. Now, they're high risk um, 
uh, investors. Uh, they've, they've dropped a few clangers, though, over the years when I've seen them crop up. Anyway, um, I've got a mystery share for you for Thursday. Yeah, there's a lovely company here. I won't give the clues away. It's for Stockopedia subscribers only. So that's the mystery share for Thursday. And then finally, one of my other favourites, Sanderson Design SDG. I run through its AGM statements in line with expectations. I'm still green on this, but you've got to you've got to be aware. You know there is a risk of a profit warning. It does luxury furnishings and uh, well fabrics and wallpapers. You know there could be a downturn, couldn't there? I think it's priced accordingly, uh, but so far so good. It's doing very well on licensing revenues, which is offsetting softness in the other businesses. Absolutely love the CEO there, Lisa Montague. I interviewed her last year. Hope hope to get her back for another interview at some point. She's brilliant. Okay, that is Thursday's report. Now, Friday's report, as usual, I did on my own. I was really pleased with this one. I managed to cover five companies in good depth. Um, I did the profit warning from Hotel Chocolat, H-O-T-C. I think this is no good. I've been read on Hotel Chocolat for a while now. I think it's just massively overvalued it keeps putting out profit warnings it now turns out june 23 uh, won't be profitable at all it's actually going to make a small loss not much of a change from what it said with the last profit warning but if you look at the broker forecast for the new financial year and in june 2024 they've absolutely slashed them i'm not surprised because i said in previous updates they just didn't look uh, the forecast just didn't look really realistic it was forecast to do 20 million profit before tax for June 24 that's been slashed from 20 million to 6 million I mean that's ridiculous obviously that you know you've got a ludicrous hockey shaped uh, forecast for 2025 but even that I mean 33 million was ludicrous that's been dropped from 33 million to 14 million so the the forecasts are massively coming down uh, the share price, I think, is still way too high. It only dropped 17%. But basically, the broker's telling you with these forecasts that, you know, it's now just really a marginal business um, that'll be lucky to make any profit at all, I think. So Hotel Chocolat, a big <coughs> from me. I think it's a dog. Um, it's got a sound balance sheet, though, so you'll be all right. And the product's horrible, I think. I just don't like the product. Fancy branding will only get you so far. People will buy it once or twice, but then when they realised it's overpriced and it's actually not very tasty, they'll stop buying it. That, I think, is the fundamental problem you've got at IGP. Next, readers have been nagging me to look at Interseed IGP, so see Friday's report for that. I weigh up the bull and bear points. I think uh, they're not really any bear points as such. Um, it's got significant bull points, but it's it's just taking too long for that one to deliver the growth strategy for me personally. I held it for about three years, but I sold out a couple of years ago. It's just taking too long. But there are lots of nice things about Interseed, and I really rate management there. Class van der Leest is, is brilliant, I think. Halfords I looked at. Readers asked me to look at that. I'm not as keen on Halfords as some of the readers are, and I, I went through the March 23 figures in quite a lot of detail here. So see Friday's report for that. What else? A couple more, I think, we did. Audio Boom, another profit warning. It's very cheap now, only th- relative to the past. 34 million market cap. Um, <clears throat> this is the podcasting company based mainly in America. It was an absolute disaster area for years. But they've really, uh, they grew, the, re- the new management grew the, man- the revenues very, very uh, successfully. Um, but then they nicked all the profit for themselves in share option charges. So that, I went red on it when I saw that. I thought that level of greed, where literally, 
literally the entire profit in the first year it's ever made any bloody profit goes in share options to management, the whole lot. So forget it, I'm not interested. I think they seem to think it's a tech company, Audio Boom. It isn't. It's an advertising business that uses podcasts to sell advertising space. Obviously, revenues are under pressure. Quite a mixed um, update, really. But the bottom line is, they say, revenue EBITDA will be lower than previously anticipated. There's no broker updates, so I haven't got um, any idea how to value it, because I don't know how bad the... the um, the downturn is at Audio Boom, so I've just had to say, uh, did I go red or amber? Uh, yeah, I've marked it red because I don't know. I don't know um, what the performance is likely to be. We haven't got the information, and and because management uh, were so greedy with their share options, I wouldn't want to invest in it anyway. And finally, I looked at Gear for Music. So see Friday's report for that. Very small now, twenty million. Um, <clears throat> And again, I run through the bull and bear points. Readers specifically asked me to look at that one. It was a bit too small. I did buy a few uh, on the dip to 79p I paid for them, but I sold them just over a quid a couple of weeks later, or a month or two later, I can't remember, purely because I wanted the money for something else. But I think, um, because I'm not using gearing at the moment anymore, as you know, so um, it means I've got a scarcity of funds. So if I want to buy anything, I have to sell something else. I'm finding it really frustrating, actually. But anyway, I, I still quite like gear for music. I'll keep it on the watch list. Might buy back in at some point. Anyway, I think that is it from the individual companies. Sorry I didn't get a chance to go through any more reader comments, but we just had so many companies to cover anyway thanks for listening really appreciate uh, all the the input and the feedback from everyone people seem to like these so i'll keep doing them okay that's it for part one and i'll have a think and then do part two